Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Kingsport, Tennessee, an amazing place. Most of you have never been there. Most of you have never been to Tennessee, by the way. Population here, just under 53,000. Yet it was settled back in 1771, so you know there's amazing history here. For 26 years he served in every conceivable post all around the world in the United States Army. Retired as a lieutenant colonel. Full colonel. Excuse me, sir, I stand corrected. But he came back, and guess what? He ran for mayor, and he won. Pat Scholl, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. You've seen a lot of the changes here, but at the end of the day, you came back home, didn't you? Well, yeah, I I would come home periodically to to visit mom and dad, and uh, but by but the, but for the most part, you're a local boy. Yeah, I mean, they helped when I ran for mayor. <laughs> the, the well, it helps when you run for mayor if you happen to know everybody. Yeah, yeah. But I, I can't. I retired from the army in two thousand three, so I had a chance to get reacquainted, so to speak. Exactly. When you were describe Kingsport when you were growing up here. Well, the city limits was, were much smaller, but uh, it was. Uh, I guess people watch uh, Andy Griffith and Mayberry. They this think about Mayberry. that the kind of place where people know each other and they like each other and they 
They put up with each other despite their idiosyncrasies. My father was a physician, and uh, he knew all the other doctors. And he made know. house calls. Well, he, probably not so much when he moved to Kingsport. Earlier in his career, when he lived in Irwin, where he grew up, which is a little uh, east of here, he actually did make house calls back then. Yeah. And uh, not so much in Kingsport. Uh, he was a surgeon, both general surgeon and thoracic surgeon, so he was tried to do as much surgery as possible. But you know, you you made the reference, so I'll stick with it for a second. Mayberry sure. RFD, everybody knows everybody, just about. Yeah, you you know the <laughs> the movers and shakers in town and all that, and the characters and all that. It was it's a very idyllic uh, growing up. Uh, I think my kids miss some of the fla- same flavor. When I retired from the army, they were on, uh, only well, they were the, brats, right? They were going well, they were in the first and second grade. Yeah, but I don't think their growing up experience was quite like mine. Mine was very idyllic you know america you know and uh uh it was great and i guess that helped me gravitate back here but on the other hand my wife is um, from philadelphia and she loves it here i mean if i got hit by a bus tomorrow i think she'd stay here you know because because she's made so many friends well it's, it's a community yeah oh yes d- definitely a community with a community feeling you know where people know each other and care about each other I mean, you know, the average temperature is 58 degrees. You get 41 inches of rainfall every year. You also get 18 inches of snow every year. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it anymore. But I know. Uh, yeah. And then you're home to Bays Mountain, which right. is, what, the largest municipal park ever. Oh, yes. Yeah. We have a tremendous amount of pay, a park line, a land considering Bays Mountain and our green belt that goes almost around the city. We're not quite around a complete circle around the city, but over nine miles of green belt. And then, of course, you've got the Kingsport Mets. Yeah. We have a minor league team. The Appalachian League has been around for a long time. And we've had, before the Mets, we'd had other iterations. We'd had the Royals and the Braves and others. But uh, Mets have been here quite a while and uh, have uh, had various players who went on to the major leagues that had started here in Kingsport. But, of course, you've got a stadium here. And if you have a game, half the town can show up. Yeah, we we have a great uh, baseball park. Of course, the the major leagues make sure you meet the standard and all that. And uh, I was telling you all earlier, across the parking lot, we have the dog park where you can take and let your dog off the leash, you know, and they're fenced in, but there's several acres. Why do you want to be mayor? Well, you know, I I saw public service as an elected official as really kind of an extension of my public service ethos of being an Army officer. The Army, was, it's a young person's game, so to speak. Not that it's a game, but uh, I came home. I joined the Qantas Club. My dad had been in Quanian, and and uh, I met a number, a, a member of the Qantas who was also a, a, an alderman. We have our governing body is called the Board of Mayor sure. and Aldermen. And uh, I just got interested in, um, in local issues, and I became an alderman. I ran for office, won. Served one term, got beat for re-election. You can learn a lot by losing. Then a few years ago. You know, I've I've always said, you want to be a success, get fired. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I became a county commissioner. I initially got appointed to the county commission because a a commissioner got sick. But uh, then I ran for it. So I ran and won three elections, three primaries, and then three general elections. And uh, I was a serving county commissioner when I was elected mayor. And I could have served in both legally. But I decided that I would resign 
on June 30th as a county commissioner and because I started mayor on July 1st. And I think that's what the citizens expect. Most of my audience have no idea that it even exists. Describe it. Well, we're in the northeast uh, corner of Tennessee. Uh, Virginia is right next door uh, to our due north. You're like five minutes. Uh, we Our city limits go right up and hit the Virginia line. Yeah. And then to our east is North Carolina, just 50 miles away. A lot of people will know us because we're right at the intersection of Interstates 81 and 26. Now, 81 goes all the way up into Pennsylvania, I believe up into New York. So if you keep going down 81, come to Kingsport. Sooner or later you're going to hit Kingsport. Yeah, or if you 26 goes from Charleston up to Kingsport and then stops. Charleston, South Carolina up to sure. Kingsport. So uh, a lot of people know us now from the interstate, and uh, uh, I hope they get to know us for other reasons because it's a great place to live, work, and play. Because? Because. Well, it, it first it starts with the people. We, we truly have welcoming people. And when I ran for mayor, I, I visited over 6,000 homes going door to door, and I kept running the people who've not lived here all that long and asked them about moving here to Kingsport and so forth, and they love it. They think they found paradise. We have great weather, four distinct seasons, all fairly mild. We have low cost of living, low taxes. <laughs> they told me they want to keep low taxes and just a very welcoming attitude by our, our folks. Let uh, me guess, you ran on the campaign of low taxes. Well, actually, come I'll, on, I'll, come I'll, on, you did. I, I promised that I wouldn't be raising taxes. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and uh, again, like I ran into a, a fellow that's been retired from three years from the Chicago police force. Well, his his uh, property taxes were over $10,000 a year in Chicago, and here they're much, much less. He just thinks he found paradise. Ran to another lady who's in good health, 72 years old, works from home, and I said, you know, we need to recruit more people like you. And she said, oh, no, don't do that. Let them find out on their own. <laughs> but I would like to recruit more people to come live here. See, that's a double-edged sword because if, you, if you're promoted, you but, have a challenge. You know, that hopefully they'll come, you know. And there's a lot of good things to come, too. What's your biggest challenge? Challenge? Well, I think we're faced with uh, uh, things that are common to other communities. Uh, we're seeing a, a slight rise in drug addiction, maybe a slight rise in, in homeless. We're but, seeing that across the board. But we're seeing that across the nation, and we're developing ways to, to uh, address it. Um, other than that, we, we want to keep growing. Uh, the Census Bureau, of course, does their official census every 10 years, but uh, ever so often they do projections, and the late, latest projection actually had us growing. We're up to over 54,000. So we're continuing to grow. Uh, we have a Fortune 500 company here, Eastman Chemical, sure. very professional, been around uh, almost 100 years. And uh, we have other industry here, but our economies from the time when I was a, a child to now has become more diversified, which is a good thing. Yeah. And the thing is, you got to also be a good steward of the environment here, because the biggest company yes. you got here is a chemical company. Well, that's that's true, but we also it's in the shadow of Bays Mountain Park. You know, we've got our own park, like we talked about. We have two lakes near us. One of them actually comes into the city limits, uh, and we're in the we're in the Tennessee Valley Authority area, where there's all kinds of lakes and all kinds of outdoor activities and so forth. For somebody who wants to move here, yeah. okay, you've already promoted low taxes, yeah, okay, yeah, and that's and you're in a state that doesn't charge, that doesn't have state sales tax. Or we have, have we have, have sales tax, no we, income tax. We don't have an income, income tax. tax. We did have a tax on uh, investment income, but it's phasing out by 2022. It'll be gone entirely. 
It's okay. going down 1% a year. It started at 6% a few years and ago. And how's the food? Food is fabulous. You know, even my wife from Philadelphia, who is a food critic, is uh, you know really loves it. Uh, we have, uh, over the years, we have diversified. We have different cuisine, whether it be Oriental or uh Are you uh, telling me Vietnamese. there's a great Chinese restaurant here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, of course, people think of the South, they think of barbecue, and we have fabulous barbecue in uh, 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 Pratt's and Braden's and other uh, places. Beats Dream Pit is nearby. And uh, so there's great places, food. Places frequented by you. Yeah, yeah. but during my campaign, I did lose 17 pounds, and I'm trying to keep it <laughs> off from all those doors, uh, you know, walking around. So diversification in food types? Yeah, a diversification in in income levels and homes and yeah and yeah and and a good school system. A great school. I'm glad you brought that up. We have a great school system. People can look up our ratings in the U.S. News and World Report. You know they uh, they do ratings of both colleges and secondary schools, and we're consistently high. And and that's a tribute to our Eastman Chemical. I think they came here and they they demanded we would have a good school system. And because they wanted to keep attracting employees down here, you know, high-speed chemical engineers and finance people and like that. So we do have a, a, a great school system. My wife, once again, from Philadelphia, would never, never let me move here if she wasn't confident we had a good school system. So you passed the grade. Yeah, yeah. Hello? <laughs> I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. those people who don't realize where Kingsport is, and that, by the way, that's most of you. We're about, oh, about five minutes from Virginia, about an hour from North Carolina, and uh, served by about three different airports, Knoxville, Nashville, excuse me, Knoxville, uh, Charlotte, Charlotte, and uh, and the Tri-Cities Airport. And most people that I know, A, don't know where Kingsport is. They don't know about the weather here. They don't know about the people here. And if they do know about it, they discovered it essentially by accident, which basically introduces my next guest. Uh, he's the author of From Brooklyn to Kingsport, <laughs> David Garhan. How are you? Good. You are a Brooklyn boy. I am. And then somehow you find yourself in Kingsport, Tennessee, one of the more improbable choices that you would ever think about making. Correct. How did it happen? By happenstance. Married in 2014 and decided that uh, I didn't like where my wife was living and she didn't like where I was living, although both places were great. And so to not start with a uh, an argument, I said, let's sell both places and find a place that we like. And we ended up in Kingsport. We found it on Zillow, which I had never heard of <laughs> until my son suggested it. Dad, you know, you got a lot on your plate. He said, try Zillow and, and look for a home for you and your wife. <laughs> and I found Kingsport and came up and uh, here we are. I mean, this is a brave new world. I mean, it's sort of, I mean, you look, from a Brooklyn background. Yeah. Kingsport is about as far as you're going to get culturally from where you where you were growing up. There's a lot of culture here. Tell me. Different. Uh, the people are, are great, uh, starting with my neighbor, Wally, who worked for about five or six hours on a Sunday uh, when we moved in on October 26th. Uh, the people are friendly. They go out of their way. I haven't met a bad apple at all. I'm sure there are a few rolling around somewhere, but I haven't met them. It's a, it's a great city. Well, what I look about it is it's, it's a great community. Yes. I mean, it's only 56,000 people. 
everybody sort of knows somebody. If they don't, they know a guy who knows a guy. Right. Right? Yeah, and my wife is someone that she joined uh, the Historical Society, Kingsport Historical Society, Daughters of the uh, Confederacy, the Christians Women's Club, the Rotary Club. I, I got to carry permit and join the Rod and Gun Club. But you meet people. You guys are joiners. Well, she is. I'm not. I, I like to, you know, be armed. Well, a Brooklyn boy. Yeah. But here's the thing. You mentioned Rotary Club. My research tells you there are like five of them here. I mean, there's so many. Everybody's got a club. Right. And you hang out. Yes. What was the biggest surprise to you coming to Kingsport? How lucky, how fortunate we were to have come across this place. I bought it so quickly. I, I First of all, I knocked out the competition because I'm from Brooklyn. No one else was going to get this property the first time I saw it. Gave them the asking price, closed in 30 days, no inspection, blah, blah, blah. And it succeeded. By the way, you're the poster child of what you should never do when buying a house. We are on a, we are on a cove, and I looked at the water. I said, this is great, a huge dock. After we moved in, I learned that that was a cove, and, and the lake is actually eight miles long from dam to dam. So that was a bonus, a nice bonus. I also found out that I had a double lot with a second dock on it. I mean, I move quickly, especially at my age. How old are you? 80 and a half, 81 in October. And you move fast. Yeah, you have to at this age. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were growing up, right, you never suspected in a million years you were going to end up in Kingsport, never. Tennessee. Never, never. All right, so you found out that everybody's nice. Everybody knows everybody, right? Right. What was the biggest challenge for you? There were no challenges. No difficulties, no challenges, no stress. I'm actively involved in, in various clubs and community activities. I played an instrumental role in having the current mayor, elected mayor. He was one of the first people I met in Kingsport, by the way. My wife and I, we didn't know at restaurants, so we saw a Pratt's house. We went to Pratt's, and we're eating there, and this gentleman comes over. And he introduces himself. He said, you know, I don't think I met you. I know you people or something. He's a politician, so he, he's looking for votes. Actually, when I first moved to Texas, the introductory that I got was, you're not from around here now, are you? Yeah. Sort of like that. Yeah. He turned out to be a great guy. We got to know him very well. Uh, we were the major uh, supporters during his campaign for the, uh, the mayor, and he was elected. So we're doing great. You mentioned going to a restaurant. How's the food? Not not my type. I mean, barbecue, <laughs> all barbecue stuff, southern barbecue. Our favorite restaurant is Giuseppe's, Italian. Great, great chef, great food. We go there at least once a week. All right, so you found at least one place that now you're regulars. Yeah, we are regulars there. Yeah, we have our own table. All right, so if I was going with you to Giuseppe's, what would be ordered? What are you, you going to buy? Giuseppe's Seafood Platter. And what's, what kind of seafood are we talking about in the middle of Tennessee? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's great. <laughs> uh, you know, clams, uh, shrimp. Oh, yeah, Tennessee is known for its clams, yes. <laughs> I love it. And I, I haven't seen a lot of Tennessee shrimp on the menu yeah, either, yeah. but it's good. It's good. I don't know where they get it from, but it's great. And what about Pals? Do you ever go to Pals? Yes. Yeah. Not not frequently, but if, if you're in a... I mean, you cannot be in Kingsport and not go to Powell. Yeah, it, it's a great success story. The gentleman uh, 
pal barger, has become a multimillionaire. I think he's got about 50 of these pals, and he keeps them local. I don't know. If, if I had that, I, I would have gone franchise it coast to coast. That's why he's in business and you're not. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so what's the message when your friends – I'm assuming now that you're here, do people come and visit you from, from Brooklyn? No, no. I, I, I left Brooklyn in 52. Oh, my goodness. And I've lived all over the country, Maryland, Arizona, New right, Jersey. So come and visit you from wherever. Yeah. Are they surprised? They're surprised that I ended up here. But they like what they see. We, we've got a great property. I love it. It's a small city, a model city that was designed by a professor at, uh, Professor Nolan at uh, Harvard, way ahead of their time. This is no hick town. 56,000 population, good government, excellent schools, sporting facilities, medical facilities are great. That I did check out on the Internet uh, before because I've had a lot of health problems. And I, even in the book, I mentioned Dr. Doug Springer. <laughs> Not too many people acknowledge their proctologist in the book, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. Amazing. David Garahan, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate that. The name of the book is From Brooklyn to Kingsport, and be sure to order the seafood special at Giuseppe's. You got it. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I've always said that places like Kingsport are hidden gems. I was reminded of that was I walking around today, as a matter of fact, uh, and came by a place that I didn't know existed and didn't know its story. And the minute I found out about it, I said, I've got to get this woman on the show. Uh, it's a chocolate place. Now, you can go to any city and get chocolate, some better than others, some more different than others, some more expensive or less expensive than others. But there's a place here in Kingsport called Bellafina Chocolates. It's run by a woman named Brenda Barnicky. But the sign says, chocolate that makes a difference. And, you know, we talk about volunteerism. You can't beat this. Brenda makes chocolate where 100% of the proceeds go to at-risk children, uh, people in need, uh, uh, and in fact, in, in ma many cases, uh, orphanages. And Brenda, welcome to, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Peter, for having me on. I mean, the real question which I have to ask everybody in Kingsport, not to mention anybody I ever meet anywhere, is how did you get to Kingsport and what are you doing here? And how did the chocolate thing start? Yes, so I'm actually a native of St. Louis, and um, I came to Kingsport for my job. I was a chemical engineer by training, and uh, we have a small chemical company. No, you have a big chemical company. Here <laughs> we have a large, Eastman. yes, we yeah. have a large chemical company in town, and so um, I I came to work as an engineer there. Um, but the way life takes twists and turns, I am now a full time volunteer. Um, started up and run Bellafina Chocolates, and as you but said, what did you know about chocolate? Well, um, I I used to make chocolate for friends and family every year for Christmas and um, did so for 15 or 20 years. Um, one thing led to another. It got a little bit out of hand. And at one point, my husband said, you're going to need to do something about this or otherwise stop. <laughs> and, then? and then, so I was still working as a vice president at Eastman um, 
a full-time job, had no intention of leaving, and uh, started up this little chocolate business. Out of your kitchen? Out of my kitchen. Um, Tennessee had a program that allowed you to do that, um, and it was really just a way to give back. That was see, a, In stereotypical terms, in Tennessee, it was, it was either moonshine or chocolate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and now we make chocolate with moonshine in it. Right. Are you serious? Yes. It's awesome. All right, well, let's, local, go back, local moonshine, let's go right? back to when you make that transition from being a vice president at a huge chemical company to starting a business in your kitchen making chocolate. Yeah, so I started it literally as a way to give back that was a little more tangible than a check, than writing a check. Um, and so it was never intended to be anything more than a hobby. I uh, just did it in the evenings and after my son went to bed. Um, and um, one thing led to another, and a couple years later I ended up um, – leaving my job at, at Eastman, and um, I'm working as a full-time volunteer um, running the company. Now, what's also amazing to me is who's working for you. Yes, yeah, so that's the other part, is I always said that once we grew, I wanted to um, create some positions for women who are struggling and needed somebody to believe in them to get on their feet. So we've been 100% volunteers since the beginning, but uh, three or four years ago, we started creating a few jobs for women who are either in recovery or who have been victims of domestic violence or who are single mothers trying to get on their feet. Or who have just left incar- incarceration. Exactly, yes, or all of the above in some cases, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're coming, and they're working, and this is part of their transition. It is, and what's really nice is that the volunteers serve as these great mentors because these are women who have run businesses or been engineers or teachers, and they work side-by-side with these women, and they'll talk to them about college options or parenting skills or getting back on their feet, and the goal is to get them to the point where they can um, get a good, full-time, well-paying job. So you've turned this into a business. Yes. So in, in every other aspect, it runs exactly like a, like a business. Um, the only difference is we give all of our profits away, and we hire women who nobody else will hire. Um, but otherwise, we make all Who of, make kick-ass chocolates. They do. They do. So we make everything that we sell fresh to order in our, in our Kingsport ch- kitchen. Um, no preservatives, fresh ingredients, um, and we ship across the U.S., so we do a lot of uh, customized corporate gifts as well as personal gifts. People can go online and order, and we can ship them all year round. Um, now, give me an idea of what you're making. Yeah, so we specialize. You mentioned in, moonshine. So. Yes, I'll mention. Yeah, so we specialize in um, chocolate truffles, um, and uh, one of our signature flavors is the dark chocolate moonshine truffle, which we use using moonshine that's made two blocks over in downtown Kingsport. Um, and, uh, but we also do, um, chocolate covered dried fruits and nuts and espresso beans, um, bars and things like that. Now, because you're a nonprofit, I am happy to be your cheerleader. How does somebody get in touch with you? Yes. So bellafina.com is the best way. Um, and there's a contact us page and we also allow, um, people by, by prior appointment, we, we let people come in and take a tour and they can actually even help us make the chocolate, um, and get some, just like you were saying a minute ago, get some hands-on experience. Um, so fun. I can come back to Kingsport and you'll put me to work. Yes. Yes, you can. And I get to keep some of the chocolate to. too? Yes. Now that's the thing is that, uh, all I, the volunteers oh yeah. get to take home scraps. Okay. Yes. That's Okay. <laughs> And having been to your location, mm-hmm. I can tell my audience that you've got the Lucy and Ethel machine. That's right, right. For those people who remember that famous episode. 
Yes, when I decided to move it out of my house and into the, into this location in downtown Kingsport, um, the business was growing so fast that we put in serious chocolate equipment, and so we have some some uh, really nice chocolate lines, um, and you can have the Lucian Ethel moment um, at the end. Yeah. So now let's <laughs> let's not bury the lead. Your your business card says chocolate that makes a difference. Yes. Has it made a difference? It has made a difference. So um, we support a couple dozen different charities at any given time. And these are not just local charities, but uh, national and international charities. So it's all focused on children suffering from disease, poverty, abuse, or neglect. So orphanages, kids who are fighting cancer, St. Jude, um, preschools for um, families who can't afford it otherwise. Um, and then in addition, the positions that we've created for women, um, we've probably had... I want to say maybe 15 women come through the program already just in the last few years. Um, and many of them have been successful in getting full-time jobs and, and are holding those full-time jobs. And bottom line is you can actually measure this. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the thing is that this is by and way, by, by far the best thing I've ever done in my career. I mean, I loved my job, had no intention of leaving it. Um, but to come to work every day knowing that everybody that's there is there because they want to be and because they want to give back and they want to make a difference in the, in the world. And to do it with amazing chocolate, um, it just doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> and the general community of Kingsport has supported you. And that's the thing is I don't know that you could do it in another community other than Kingsport um, because there is such a volunteer spirit here. Um, that every time the business has grown to the point where we need more help, more people show up. And actually, we've even um, started incubating two other small businesses that have the same kind of mission. One makes French macarons. It's called New Maven Max um, that hires women that are in recovery or who have been incarcerated. And the other is the Woven Coffee brand, um, which you also got a sample of, um, that um, supports women who are in recovery. So um, Families Free in this area does um, recovery classes, and we employ their graduates. Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio with no particular place to go. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. If you've been listening to the show up until now, you know that Kingsport in itself is truly a hidden gem here in eastern Tennessee. It's, uh, it's to me, I'm, I'm always learning new things about a place that only has about 56,000 people in town. So it's, uh, it's, always it's always interesting for me to come back here and learn more. Uh, but the man who knows all of this, of course, is Vince Statton, who's the author of The Unconventional History of Kingsport, The Colorful char Characters Who Created a City. Yes, and I wanted to tell you, Kingsport is the jewel of the Tri-Cities. And the reason I know that <laughs> is because there was a guy who wrote a book called Whatever Happened to Gorgeous George, and his dad had been a professional wrestler on the small-time you know circuit. I'm old enough to remember Gorgeous George. And this guy traveled with his dad all over the South and the Midwest, and he wrote about wrestling here. 
his dad wrestling in the Civic Auditorium in Kingsport, Tennessee, which he said was the jewel of the Tri-Cities. Well, I have to tell you, Vince, that the reason why I remember Gorgeous George is watching on black and white television when I was a kid, <laughs> and my dad walked into the room while I was watching it, and he said, there's something I have to tell you. I said, what is it's all phony. <laughs> That's what I knew. That's what I, was, I, I didn't know. But anyway. Well, we thought it was real when we were kids. It sure looked real. It looked real until my dad set me straight, yeah. And then once you start paying attention, you see that they miss oh, on no, all no, those no. swings. But, right. But then once he told me, then I was really addicted to it because I, I want to see how they were faking me out, you know. <laughs> but other than wrestling, Kingsport has quite a history. It does. Uh, you know, we just celebrated our centennial two years ago. And in another three years, we can celebrate our bicentennial. How do you and do you that? don't have to be a math major to figure out there's something wrong there. Yeah, there is. There's really two King Sports. There was the original King Sport, which was chartered in 1822, and it really was a river port. And that's how it got the name was because there was a lot of river traffic here. And especially two guys used this place, a salt magnet from Saltville, Virginia, named William King, and an iron magnet from Bristol, Tennessee, named James King. And they both shipped out of uh, what was then called Boatyard. And so Boatyard eventually became Kingsport, but we don't know which one of the two kings it was named for because they both bought lots in Boatyard on the same day. Well, there you go. <laughs> setting, setting, for, setting the precedent for confusion the yeah. last decades, yes. So it became, it became a really a thriving little river port, maybe a 1,000 people you don't know back then, maybe as many as 20 stores. Lots of people coming through here, lots of uh, of uh, manufactured goods being shipped out of here. And then shortly after the Civil War, the railroad came through, except the railroad didn't come through Kingsport. The railroad came through 20 miles away. And once you don't get the railroad, the shipping port just completely went to pot, so to speak, and the town died. And then in the early part of the 20th century, one of these empire builders, a guy named George L. Carter, who had already built a town in southwest Virginia based on coal, decided he was going to boom a town, as they called it, in Kingsport. And he bought up, sort of secretly, 20,000 acres from various farmers, got the Clinchfield Railroad to come in. That was the key once he got a railroad. And then he started recruiting industries. He recruited a brickyard. He recruited a cement plant. He recruited a paper mill. He recruited a chemical plant. And, and the paper mill was easy because you were right by the river. That's you had right. And right across the street from the paper mill, he convinced a printing company to come in. This was such a big deal. It was the largest printing company in the South, later called Kingsport Press. New York Times came down, wrote a story about it, which they headlined, Largest Printery in Wilderness. <laughs> now, at that time, Kingsport had about 15,000 people, so it was hardly a wilderness. But the chemical plant was Eastman Kodak. And Eastman is still here. It's still here. It's still going strong. They're the big deal in town. They are the big deal in town. The Kingsport Press went out of business about 10 years ago. But Eastman, they managed to get George Eastman to come down here. He was a big hunter. And the guy who became the father of the town after George L. Carter went broke, a guy named J. Fred Johnson, uh, knew that Eastman was a big hunter. So he invited him down for a big hunting trip, 
and they went out, and George Eastman said he had had the greatest day he had ever had hunting dove. He didn't know that J. Fred Johnson had seeded the field, so he was going to have the greatest day <laughs> yeah, he had ever had. We've heard sitting doves. <laughs> The population, which is now, what, about 56,000, when you think about it, it's pretty stable. It's been stable for a, for a good long time. Uh, the war and, and the Depression, of course, uh, made everything really tough. But there was this thing they had going on here that they called the Kingsport Spirit, which was an all-for-one, one-for-all kind of thing, led by J. Fred Johnson. And the industries that they recruited in the 1920s, if you agreed to build an industry here, you had to agree to provide your employees with health insurance. You had to That's agree. That's revolutionary. Oh, absolutely. Even Can you today. imagine? Yeah, that couldn't even happen today. And they wanted their uh, industry captains to take care of their employees. And they had a guy who, who opened a silk mill here. And J. Fred Johnson told this story to the Saturday Evening Post in 1936. And he said, he got word that the guy was not treating his employees right, making them work overtime, not taking care of them. So he got together with the other local industrialists, and they sent a committee to talk to this guy. And they eff- effectively ran this guy out of town. <laughs> I've heard it happening before, but they physically did it. <laughs> yeah. So we don't have a silk mill here anymore, but we still have Eastman. And driving around town, you still have pals. We still have now, you PALS. you got to explain PALS. I, I know what it is, but you have to explain Pal, PALS is, is another jewel of the Tri-Cities, yeah. started by a guy named Pal Barger. Uh, Pal grew up in a restaurant family. His father had restaurants. I can still remember when he built the first PALS downtown. He, he opened, and the big deal was not uh, hot dogs, chili dogs, and sweet tea. It was hamburgers and barbecue. And it was right near my father's store, which I used to work at as a kid. And that's where I would go for lunch every day, walk over to Pals. And, and uh, I would get my hamburger back then because the hot dog was not big. But now Pals is world famous for hot dogs, sweet tea, and because they're so well run. They won the Malcolm Baldridge Award for Excellence, which is only awarded uh, to a select few businesses. People come here to train to see how to do this. And it's and, not a big place. No, and, and in fact, it, it really catches your eye. The The new ones do. The The original is... Well, the original catches my eye because it's got the red and white tile on the outside, which is very reminiscent of McDonald's, by the way. The original yes, McDonald's is. was red and white tile. The only missing from Pals is the golden arches. That's right. And Pal would probably tell you he thought of the red and white before McDonald's. But the... Uh, the newer ones have this little hot dog shaped logo uh, on I saw the round logo one. Yeah, on the I saw it. I, I saw mean, it. it's really eye catching. But the cool thing is, you drive your car over there, you make your order. By the time you drive around, it's given to you. It's a home it's, of it's, sudden service, they call it, and it absolutely is. I mean, they have clocks in there, and they're hitting them all the time to make sure that everybody gets through in a certain amount of time. People who are from Kingsport, when they come back here, the first thing they have to do is they have they to gotta go get to their pals. fix. They got to get their fix. The other thing you've got here is a great minor league baseball team, the Kingsport Mets. Yes, and, and they are the farm. Always, and been they're big. the farm team of the Mets. Yes, and that hasn't always been a good thing, if you <laughs> if you remember. But uh, Daryl Strawberry started here. Uh, I mean, the the history with minor league baseball goes all the way back to the twenties when there was a 
an Appalachian League. But what I love about minor league baseball is it's truly reflective of the community. It's real. You are up close and personal. There's no such thing as the cheap seats. You, you can't. Oh, it's great. And they had a guy uh, who was actually with the Bluefield Orioles, um, Steve Dalkowski. You may have heard of Steve Dalkowski, supposedly the fastest pitcher who ever lived, but he blew his arm out before he got to the big leagues. But he came through and was pitching against Kingsport. He was so wild. He threw one. Not only did he miss the catcher, he missed everything, hit the backstop, and it was so fast even still. It went through the backstop into the stands. People scrambled. Another and that time, is the evolution of baseball legends. Yes. Another time. He was so wild, he hit a guy here who was standing in line to get a hot dog. <laughs> well, you remember the, Mar- the, 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 the Charlie Sheen uh, uh, character in uh, Based on Wild Steve Thing. Dalkowski. Wild Thing. Uh, really based on him? Yeah. Uh, see, I learned something. Unbelievable. <laughs> but the games are cool. They're not expensive. Oh, right? no, Everybody comes cheap. out for them. Yeah, and and you're right there. I mean, if you if you want to heckle the opponent, oh, he can they hear might you. Heckle you back, yes. Well, you're standing right next to him. What are you talking about? <laughs> I learned that one day standing on first base in the Yankee Stadium when we were playing a charity game. You can hear everything. If somebody's yelling at you up in the middle of the bleachers, you hear it. You just got to ignore it. Yeah, I can remember being in uh, Royal Stadium in Kansas City, and Toronto was there, and me and my kids, and we were heckling the Toronto right fielder, and suddenly he turns around and just starts talking to us. And it's like we became fans of this guy because we were there. Hello and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now. Here's a little-known fact about Kingsport, population 56,000. It's also home to Bays Mountain. That's the, that's the largest municipally-owned park in the United States. 3,500 acres, complete with 22 miles of hiking and, and, and biking trails. That's a lot of statement for a country that needs a lot more green space, but they've got it right here in Kingsport. And joining me now, uh, the naturalist at Bays Mountain Park, Bob Culler. How are you, Ranger Culler? <laughs> Doing well. Thank you, Peter. Uh that's a surprise to most people to realize you've got that much space to play in. It is. The uh, Bays Mountain Park is a very large park, especially, as you mentioned, for such a small town as we are here. And we've been around for quite a few years as well. Uh, the The park officially opened to the public in, in uh, May of 1971. So it's a new park. Relatively new. <laughs> yeah. And look, any park that's under 50 years old is new. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But what makes it special? Uh, the biggest thing is that we have... Uh, it, it, most of the property there is a nature preserve. We d- we do have a developed area around the nature center where which houses exhibits of, of about nature and science in this area. Uh, we also have a 44 acre reservoir there, which is the whole reason the park is there in the first place. And uh, the the nature center as well has a planetarium. That's another uh, surprise. Which is another surprise. That's uh, are one you of good? The, are you a good dark sky viewing area? Uh, we don't have the darkest skies here, unfortunately. So uh, that, we do have an observatory at the park, and we do have some obser- observing sessions. But uh, the skies are not quite as dark as we'd like. Now, when you talk about Bays Mountain, you go back to the 1800s. People settled out there. 
They did, yes. There was a thriving community of people that lived in this area going back into the uh, late 1700s, actually. And, and on top of Bays Mountain, where the park is now, we had people uh, up there in the early 1800s. And then the dam. Mm-hmm. In the early in uh, the 1900s, in, in uh, about 1905, 1906, there was a company came in and decided that Kingsport, as a developing city, needed a, a public drinking water supply. So they built the reservoir on top of the mountain to supply drinking water for the part or for the for the city for the newly formed city. And uh, and then uh, once they, as the city grew, it outgrew the the water supply. And so once they quit using that for drinking water, the city hung onto the property. They logged the forests that uh, that are in the park, or what's now the park. But after that regrew, then they were able to turn it into a park uh, into a park for the public. And can you get out in the reservoir and ride around? We have uh, barge rides. One of our more popular programs that we do at the park is a barge ride where we take a pontoon boat ride. It lasts uh, 35 to 45 minutes or so. And we just go out and ride around and look at the wildlife, enjoy the scenery, and tell enjoy stories. the weather, and tell stories, exactly. And people believe those stories. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> well, look, you've been around, what, 29 years? Yes. Wow. There's got to be a reason that's keeping it. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, uh, very good place to work. It's it's a lot of fun, and every day is different. Uh, some days are, are better than others, I guess. I uh, I don't really like being out in 35 degrees and rain, but um, outside of that, there there's always something new to see. Even after 29 years, I still see new things every day. For example. Uh, lots of new uh, wildflowers. And one of the, my interests in particular is wildflowers in the park, and, and uh, quite often I'll find new new flowers, new species of flowers that I've never seen before. Wow! And the wildlife itself. The wildlife itself. Yeah, we see uh, some interesting occurrences yeah, deer, with the wildlife. Have we have lots of white-tailed deer. We also have beavers in the in the reservoir, which is. Um, afford some interesting opportunities for observing them we don't actually get to see the beavers themselves very often but a lot of places where they where they've done a lot of work over the years what about fox uh, we do have foxes in the park we don't see those very often uh, we have bobcats we have black bear there you um, go turtles wild uh, wild turkey there's turtles and a lot of different species of turtles in the park so yeah is there hunting up there and no hunting allowed no, and a very limited amount of fishing. We do allow a very small amount of fishing in the Catch park. and release? Uh, you can keep them if you want them. Okay, I'm coming. But. <laughs> <laughs> I hate catch and release. I'm going to work that hard for the fishing's dinner. <laughs> yeah. What kind of fish? Uh, mostly largemouth bass and bluegill, a few other sunfish, and uh, a few yellow bullhead catfish. For people who've never been to Kingsport or Bays Mountain, what's going to be the biggest surprise for them? Uh, the biggest surprise for uh, at Bays Mountain Park is the fact that we have a planetarium in in, uh, in this city, and that's it, that seats 102 people. It's pretty unusual. We have there are some smaller planetariums in the area that are only open for uh, school programs and educational programs, but ours is open to the public. It's one of the Probably the closest one, in, uh, the next closest one in Tennessee is in Nashville, as I recall. So, so you got you got a lock on it. We have a lock on it. We have uh, lots of school children that come up for uh, field trips during spring and fall, in particular, and a lot of those children come for the planetarium programs, and uh, so uh, that's that's a, a big part. And of being the field a state trips. park, you're free. Actually, we're a city park. Uh, As you are a city park. Yeah. Municipal, I said, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we are a city-owned and operated park, owned and operated by the city of Kingsport. Which is also it's, unusual. Uh, it is. 
and uh, the entrance to the park is five dollars per person, or five dollars. I'm sorry, five dollars per car. As many people as you can get into the car. Oh, get the clown car ready. <laughs> yeah. Should there be a rapid change in cabin pressure, oxygen masks will automatically drop from the compartment above your seat, free of charge. And to start the flow of oxygen, pay your flight attendant seventy-five dollars and sixty-three cents. One of the beautiful things about a small place like Kingsport, especially if they have a sense of history, is that every building still tells a story. Just about everywhere you go, especially if you walk, somebody will stop you and say, look up, look out, look over here. Let me tell you about who used to live here. And my next guest knows a little bit about that because he's the curator for the Allendale Mansion, which used to be a 500-acre farm, if I believe correctly. That is correct, yes. And his name is Roger Mayle. How are you, sir? Nice to meet you, Peter. And likewise, sir. So tell me about the Allendale Mansion and what is its impact and import to Kingsport? Uh, Allendale is uh, it's a, a mansion that was built in 1953. It looks real old, but it's not as old as you might think. 1953 is young. Yeah, Um Mr. Brooks, when he uh, he had a uh, Harvey Brooks owned a uh, sand and gravel company here in Kingsport, also a cement company. He had a hobby though. His hobby was raising black agnes cattle and Tennessee walkers. And that's why he had a 500 acre farm. That's why he had a farm. But that farm was not always located where it is. It used to be upstream from what is now Fort Patrick Henry Dam, and the dam was being constructed in the 40s. And uh, guess what? His farm was going under the water. So uh, Mr. Brooks had to have a place to uh, move his cattle and his stock. To. And that explains the farm. That explains the farm. Um, when he and uh, Mrs. Brooks met with uh, Alan Dryden Sr., who was the architect on the home, uh, she told him all she wanted was a little white farmhouse with white picket That's what fence. That's they always say. Oh, yeah. It, it grows from there. But, uh, <laughs> it grew uh, and then she proceeded to say, uh, I don't want nine-foot ceilings. I want 12-foot ceilings upstairs and down. I want lots of fireplaces. I want gardens. I want this. I want that. So basically well, they had an unlimited budget and they exceeded it. Exactly. Uh, Mr. Dryden uh, let Mrs. Brooks think she was getting a little white farmhouse, but he knew from an architect's point of view, she was really describing a antebellum Georgian-style home, and that's what he built. We've got six fireplaces, we've got 12-foot ceilings, we've got 12-foot ceilings in the attic, and there's actually a four-foot cross place I can crawl between the first and second floors. So it's a very large home. So basically you could spy on somebody. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's great for, uh, you know, Halloween. Halloween. It's for uh, uh, going in and doing some wiring, uh, security course. stuff, it's uh, access. heat exactly. work, stuff like that. But so. the house is filled with antiques. It is filled with antiques, and it, it's a great facility. When Mr. Brooks uh, had passed away uh, in 1969, he had no children, no heirs, and uh, he left it to the city of Kingsport. Uh, he left it with the understanding that it be used for the people of the community and region. Uh, he did not want the city to put prices on it where it was just for the mucky mucks about town. And well, we can't have that. Oh yeah, and that's what we did. We kept our, we keep our prices low. Everybody can go out and enjoy Allendale, uh, either the mansion or one of our bar- two barns that we rent, and have a beautiful day. And it's not going to, you know, break the bank with them. So well, you're essentially a nonprofit. We are. We're part of the city uh, city parks uh, department and. Uh, uh, we have a good time out there. Okay, we, now I've got to I got to ask the obvious sure. question: Is it haunted? I understand that it is. <laughs> you know, in a big house like that, you hear a lot of stuff at night, 
And especially... Wait, well, hold, stop right. Like what? Well, like things creaking, uh, uh, insulations around doors vibrating, making weird noises. Uh, you know, if you're in a place by yourself at night, you're going to hear some stuff you don't hear normally. So uh, uh, we don't know that it's haunted, but I have heard it is. I've had people come out and do studies on it, and they say, oh, yeah, we, we're picking up this, we're picking up that. So uh, I think if you want to think it's haunted, uh, you can probably uh, oh, justify I, you, it. you say that about anywhere. Exactly. It'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Of all the pieces that are in there, what's the most interesting antique that they have? Oh, gosh. Uh, I guess the most expensive piece, we've got a 17th century uh, French uh, china cabinet that's uh, very old, very valuable. It's uh, made with burnt wood and inlay. Um, it's probably, my guess, about nine feet tall. It is one item in that house that as long as I'm there, we will not move it. It's going to sit right where it is. We'll <laughs> clean around it, but uh, it's a beautiful piece. You uh, also have chandeliers. Oh, we've got lots of chandeliers. Uh, uh, the Brookses traveled extensively all over the world, and when they did, went in their travels, they bought a lot of stuff, had it shipped back, stored it in different places, and uh, when they built the home in Allendale, it was, uh, you know, they had a lot of stuff that they could incorporate into the home. Uh, it's an interesting house. Uh, one of the uh, the shower in the master bedroom and master suite has got like 10 shower heads in it. In 1953, that homes did not have that. I suspect that Mr. Brooks saw that in Europe someplace during his travels, and he said, you know, put a lot of shower heads in there. I will tell you, I had an experience like that at the Savoy in London. Their shower head, they had one shower head, but the mm -hmm. shower head was 17 inches in diameter. <laughs> And the water pressure came out like a fire hose. I said, I got to get that. Yeah, you like that. Well, here's the problem. I got it. I brought it back to California. It didn't meet any code. There was, no, no, you, you would have to like bootleg extra water pumps and stuff like that, but it was a great concept. Well, you know, in uh, back in the 50s when this home was built, there weren't a lot of building codes. If you could afford it and you wanted it, you could do it. Uh, now in homes, well, that's, 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 that's the reason why you go see the mansion, to see what they got away with. <laughs> You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.